Hey everyone, this is Addicted to Living, a podcast about escaping self-doubt, shifting your identity, and ultimately your mindset so you can finally have the life and the relationships you've always wanted and actually know you deserve. We're your host, Brett and Monica Odell. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Today we have sober coach Matt Gardner. He battled alcohol dependency from his late teens into his early 30s. He was a daily drinker from the age of 21 to 30. At age 27, Matt was hospitalized with acute pancreatitis. While initially he thought that this was the wake-up call that he needed, but after three days of being in the hospital, he was back out drinking within 24 hours of being released. At age 30, Matt finally hit his rock bottom moment, which led to three plus years of sobriety. At a friend's wedding, he decided he would attempt quote unquote moderation again, which he tried for the next several years. His dad passed away suddenly in late 2018, who was also a heavy drinker his whole adult life. Matt decided on the weekend of his father's celebration of life that it was time to sober up once again. Matt is now back to living an alcohol-free life, and he tells us his story. So let's listen in, and thanks for joining us today. All right. Thank you for joining us today. This is Brett and Monica with Addicted to Living. Today, we have Matt Gardner with us, who is going to share his story and kind of tell us a little bit about what he's got going on. So, Matt, go on ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your story and how you got into recovery and sobriety and all that. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. A pleasure meeting you. We had a couple of minutes to do a little icebreaker, you know, before we hopped on here. So thanks to both of you. I want to say that first off and thanks to your audience. Absolutely. Re- really like the uh, the name of the podcast. Very cool. So yeah, happy to be here. Um, yeah, so for myself, I want to preface this by saying um, this is my day one of, of no caffeine. I'm, I'm cutting ca- uh, coffee out of my diet, so I am a little bit spacey so there might be a couple it's of all times good for, good for yeah, you <laughs> just just a little preface that uh yeah definitely a little space out here i was I, I was down to one cup of coffee a day and i'm like oh i got this no problem and it's definitely affecting my performance okay. so <laughs> in, interestingly enough you know and here we are talking about vices so yeah i'll get back into you know my vice was definitely alcohol uh earliest memory of that was um, you know, my dad was a big drinker and, you know, on that whole side of his family, uh, the, the men on that side, Irish descent. So very stoic, very come home from work, have a drink sort of thing, right. That culture. So my dad would get together with my uncle, Paul, uncle Paul is on my mom's side. And I just remembered five or six year old version of me would hear them get into the room and the room, everything, it gets super loud. Like they start cranking the music. They'd be yelling at each other, but like laughing too. So I was like, what is going on? Like, what are these guys doing? And I go over there and there's a few beers out and such. And, and they kind of do the, Hey, Matt, come over here. Like, you got to try this. Right. And it wasn't like I'm slamming beers at five years old, but like I had the little sip of beer, right. Get right. Beer. So gross. How can you drink them? They start laughing. Right. So that was like my first um, memory. I think of alcohol. Cause I left the room going, it's so loud and there's music, but they're having fun. And there's, they're like, I don't know. There's, there's just something about it that intrigued me. It definitely piqued my curiosity. So that was my earliest moment. Um, you know, my parents divorced when I was 13 years old, which was right as I was going into high school. Like when it, my high school where I was from was grade eight to 12, there was no middle school. And so, yeah, it was just like the whole, my whole world came crashing, crashing down. And just the whole idea that my parents didn't actually love each other and, and so forth. I lived a fairly sheltered upbringing up to that point. And, so, you know, that coupled with a transition into high school. And at that point I was very small. I, you know, I hit my growth spurt around grade 10. So I was definitely getting bullied and, and just having a hard time of it and very shy kid, right. As, as it was, uh, you know, um, growing up. 
Uh, so, you know, middle teenage years, I'd say about 16 years old is when I started experimenting with drugs and alcohol and definitely felt that alcohol was like the missing ingredient, right? Is it so often the case with people mm. that talk about, it, especially that's like social issues or anxieties, right? Uh, it's like, oh, I found the, I can be myself finally, right? Like, yes. With air quotes, be myself, right? So yeah. that was like what bridged the gap. All of a sudden I'm going to house parties and feeling like, you know, I'm, I can be the life of the party and you know what I mean? And then the next day at school, I'd be back to like not conversing with anybody. So there was definitely a, this illusion that I was like picking up on, but still I was like, well, you know what, I'll just go to the next party and drink and just rinse and repeat. So that worked out well. And that was the, uh, also, also worth mentioning. I, I was like big into sports up to that period of time. And then right then and there, I pivoted into music. So uh, music was definitely where I started reading about, you know, like Led Zeppelin and these bands that were just Botchery, right? And I'm like, that sounds pretty cool. So, you know, living the rock and roll lifestyle, like I started drinking every weekend. I got into a band and and it was cool to just get high and, and drunk and and make some noise in my basement and such, right? So, you know, fast forward into my early 20s, um, I moved out to Alberta, which is where I currently live. It's just like I guess north of Montana, uh, for the people in the States. Um, and legal drinking age was 18 out here. So that was actually one of the reasons that I moved out here is because I'm like, yeah, yeah, right. So I'm like playing in a band and such too. I'm like, okay, so I'll be able to play the bars. And, you know, strangely enough, you know, looking back on it, like being a musician is like one of the only jobs they encourage you to drink on the job. They're like, here, have right. a, have some, like a few beers before you go on stage. I'm like, Loose yes. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big part of, I, I just love that, of course. And, you know, I was getting into, you know, psychedelic uh, experimentation. I was microdosing before that was really a thing. I was doing a lot of mushrooms at the time. And, you know, I had this idea that like my creativity came from drinking, came from drugs. Right. So I was like, you know, the tormented artist to a degree. I mean, that's a tad dramatic, but you get what I mean. Just like yeah. a little, that was my identity. Right. Uh, and that was how my twenties were. It was just a lot of partying. I played in three bands. Uh, I kept getting promoted at work. Right. So there was always this part of me that was like, you know what? I'm not that caricature of the, I'm not that guy behind the store with the brown paper bag. Like I'm keep getting promoted at work. I own a house. I'm playing three bands. I don't have a problem. Right. And then finally, uh, when I was 27, I actually got hospitalized for acute pancreatitis, which is incredibly painful and frightening. And, you know, I thought I was going to, going to uh you kick the bucket at that time right so you know three days in the hospital and the whole time i was just doing that like please if i can get out of here i've learned my lesson you know i'll never right, drink again. The, right i'll never drink again right and and uh curiously enough after i got out of there uh as i'm walking home i was about a 15 minute walk from the hospital and uh here in alberta there's like i swear uh pretty much every other street corner there's a liquor store especially in the area i was living in it was like the university area so lots of liquor yeah. stores so first liquor store walks by i'm like yeah, I'm done with you. Second one I walk by, all of a sudden there's like this voice that's starting to kind of negotiate, being like, well, you know what? That was Rye that did that to you. So you could be a beer drinker now. You know, <laughs> nobody ever has problems with beer. I was like, it's a good point. Still no. And then by the time <laughs> I got to the third liquor store, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I haven't actually tried. There's some good beers out right now. So I walked into the liquor store, grabbed a six pack of beer on my way home from the hospital from acute pancreatitis yeah. and had a beer in my hand. And of course, when I get back home, I have like the party house. Right. And everybody's kind of at first like, like, what are you doing? Like, why are you drinking? And I'm like, oh, it's just a beer. It's just a harmless beer. And then there was partially like a relief. They're like, oh, okay. We thought, you know, it's kind of like, we thought we were going to have to cut back too, but right. if you're drinking, everything's good. We're back yeah. on. Right. Sweet. Right. 
so that was that right and then uh, you know fast forward into like my 30s is when i had that finally i was just like it was strange though right the universe kept giving me things and i kept leveling up but as i was leveling up the gap between like my personal life specifically my drinking was just out of control and it was very confusing to me i'm like how do i have everything else so disciplined and so high functioning and yet my drinking is just getting worse and my like you know, my uh, inner dialogue about myself is just like reaching, uh, I've just, I didn't like myself, right? And so finally, you know, I took um, five weeks off work. Uh, and that was the hardest thing I had to do, right, is put my hand up and ask for help. I think that's a, a pretty mm -hmm. common thing in a lot of people's stories. It's very frightening. I, you know, I thought I was going to get disowned by my family i thought i was gonna get fired from my job and like it was the always worth mentioning i like this part of my story is like the exact opposite happened is like everybody you know really right. banned around me and and um yeah. and we're super understanding so you know worth mentioning to anybody that's going through that right now yeah it's super right. scary you never know what right? you're, you know what am i gonna do when i'm done drinking alcohol everybody's yep. you know looking at me and Mm. why would you ever let yourself get to this point it's 100 percent. we it's literally scary. just talked about this on yeah. the last episode we had a whole episode yeah. of it. it's a yeah. oh brilliant that's cool yeah. that's great okay good good uh kind of piggyback on that inadvertently so um yeah and that's totally what it was though right it was um you know my my boss was like the alpha male and i'm like this guy's gonna think i'm like such a flake right and he was totally the opposite he's like yeah whatever you need you know and uh, yeah, I kind of get like emotional talking about it. And um, yeah, so I took my, the five weeks, uh, the first two weeks, of course, was like, I'm like, I got to get it out of my system, right? So I went on this massive bender. And then finally, like halfway, you know, like that two week point, I'm like, okay, I got to go one way or the other here. I'm either going to keep doing this, this binging and, you know, which I definitely thought about. I'm like, I can just, I got a bunch of money saved up. I can just go on this massive self-destructive bender, essentially end it right now, or I can at least try recovery. So a buddy of mine took me to uh, my first AA meeting. I actually reached out to him. I'm like, I got to do something here, man. Like, can you help me? And he had just gone through NA and AA and he was a completely different person. And me and him had had a bit of a falling out. So this was a good way for us to, to recalibrate our friendship and such. And so we went there and, you know, we got as far as the parking lot. I was like, you know what? I'm cured. I'm good. Like I was, I was afraid to go in. Right. Yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, right. And, um, you know, again, like what we were just talking about, I was just, what's going to be on the other side of that. Right. And I'm like, you know what? I, I I'm good. And Brent, his name is Brent. And he put his hand on my shoulder and just said, you know what? Like, let's go in together. And he smiled down at me. And, you know, if he had just that little moment, if he hadn't done that, I literally wouldn't be talking to you guys, right? right guaranteed, yeah. guaranteed, right? So we went in there and it was like the, again, the opposite of what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Everybody's like happy. He's getting high fives. They're hugging him. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool, right? Yeah. And I'll tell you like the, uh, I don't even remember like what the first opening, you know, they had the big book out, the opening, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And I don't even remember what the guy said. It was just the energy of everybody in there that's going through the same thing. I felt like a mat, like physical weight come off my shoulders. It right. was like if somebody had been sitting on there and they just left. It was like this profound spiritual 180 that I had in like a, like a matter of minutes. And I started tearing up. And uh, yeah, that's saved my life, to be honest with you. And uh, I was sober for three years, three months. And, um, you know, I started getting into like personal development, right? To get Wayne Dyer and different books like that. So, uh, but I'll, you know what? It's just, there was a part of me that, really wanted to be able to try it again one day like so i had it i left the door open just to crack right and so what it was uh my my the drummer of my band had a wedding and i was one of the groomsmen it was one of these nights it was a great wedding wonderful wedding but like drinks kept getting put on the table in front of me and i'm 
I wasn't really super protective. I was still very like secretive about who I told about it. Cause I didn't want, you know, I just, especially at my workplace, I didn't want to getting out too much and you know, people, I was worried about what people thought of me. Right. So, right. um, so I wasn't like, Hey, no, thank you. I'm not drinking. I was doing the whole, like, you know, taking a drink and then, you know what I mean? If I had a shot, yeah. I'd throw it over my shoulder, that whole nonsense. Right. Uh, and then finally, by the end of the night, I had a shot of uh, tequila. I don't even really, I just, my mind kind of went blank and I did it. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like minutes later, I'm getting like the whole brain chemistry thing. And mm-hmm. and I'm going, I kind of miss this, you know? And then part of me is like, you know what you're doing here right now? And then, you know, I have like a little, you know, yeah. ping pong yeah. match with the inner oh, dialogue. Yeah. And, and the other inner dialogue is like, I got this, you know, yeah. <laughs> famous last words, right? right. Uh, so that was, uh, I tried moderation every moderation technique you could possibly think of like laughable, right. As far as like, I'll keep it out in the garage. You know what I mean? You know, all, of sudden, all of a sudden I'm hanging out in the garage all day, you know, yeah, I mean? right. like, oh, this didn't work. You know, I'll, like I'll keep the beer out of the fridge. Nobody likes warm beer. All of a sudden I'm like, I like warm You're beer. Warm or, beer. Know, I love warm beer. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, tons of these like just nonsensical. And then, like I tried that for like three years. Right. And just nothing was working. It was so ah, just depressing really. And what happened? My dad passed away a couple of days before Christmas, 2018. Uh, so I'm 37 at the time there. And, you know, uncle Paul, the guy that I told you about the uh, first part of the story, mm-hmm. he had already passed away about 55. So really young for this day and age, like yeah. back in the forties, people, you know, passed away that young, but like 66 right. and 55 is not very old. And it was like due to, you know, just hard living and such. So I was like, you know what, I'm on the same path. I'm 37 at this point, you know, I'm not in my twenties anymore. Um, so like, I, I got to do something here. So I, on my way out to uh, my dad's celebration of life, which was April, 2019, it's about an eight hour drive straight shot West from where I live in Edmonton, which is Northern Alberta. And halfway between is like a Canadian, it's the Canadian Rocky mountains, a beautiful town called Jasper. And it's like literally the halfway point, like to the minute, to the kilometer. And the whole way out there, I just come out of this like weekend. I was doing up all night doing cocaine and, and just drinking my face off. And I was up to like three or four in the morning and, hit the road at 8 a.m. So still clearly inebriated right, and yeah. in a bad spot, right? And I'm just like, what the, what am I doing? And it, I was so dark and like, I just, I felt so crappy about myself in this beautiful spot. You know, it's one of my favorite places on earth. It's such an inspiring spot. Like being up in the Rockies is a beautiful sunny day and I felt nothing. I was like, what is wrong with me? And I remember I just grabbed my phone and started, you know, verbalizing some of this stuff and just trying to get some energy moving. And again, it was like one of those like, you know, I think just, just getting it out, out of my system, um, you know, and asking, just going, Hey, like asking for some help, you know, uh, just verbalizing it. And I got some help that day. I, you know, I had another moment where I had that, uh, not quite as profound as that first AA meeting, but there was mm-hmm. definitely that 180 where I was like, okay, the rest of the drive, I was like, okay, I've done this before. You know, I've had three years sober. I can do it again. This is how I'm going to do it. You know, really solutions focused as opposed to just really snapped out of this like funk that I was in. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those recipes, right? It's like the rest, if all the elements we're talking about, you know, how you guys connected, if, if all these little details just converged to make this like perfect recipe for, you know, what, what happened for me. And so I went back home. I think the fact that I got out of, I had that crappy party weekend. I got out of my elements. I had this long drive to like process everything. And I went back home for the first time in like 20 years uh, my brother and I, uh, he's my older brother. Uh, we hadn't been back together uh, back in Prince George where we're from in 20 years. So we did the whole circuit of like seeing all the places, you know, our haunts, yeah. right. And where we grew up, it was just this really cool time. And, and um, 
honestly, I just didn't look back after that. I had no real cravings, you know? Um, and yeah, here we are. Like I just, that was April 8th of 2019. So I mean, time of recording was at the 11th today. So that was a couple of days ago. Right. I had my, my four year, four years, right? Yeah. Four yeah, years exactly. sober birthday. So yeah. 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 So Love cool. Me. Timely, uh, podcast to, to yeah. catch me is a, which appreciate. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a quick question then real quick. Why, before I forget. So, you know, you went three years and was it seven months, right? But the three first years, time? three months. Yeah. Three that's years, right. Three months. Yeah. Okay. And then, so now you've gone from when you, uh, almost four years as of a few days ago. Yeah. If you had to put it in words, what would you say is different about your mindset now in mm. the context of getting sober, staying sober this time yeah. versus what it was like the first time? Yeah. That's a great question. That's like the million dollar question, right? Right. Yeah. yeah for me and like, ah, so the one thing that I was doing that I've done very differently this time. Um, yeah. Like two things come to mind. So the first thing is the first time around, like I said, I started dabbling in like self-development and getting into like, you know, mindset books and such. Uh, I'm way more into it now. And uh, so there was one part of me that just, there was still very much alive in me that first sobriety. I had this like reckless side to me, like everything else. I'm very disciplined in a lot of different things mm -hmm. in my life. So I like to have another way to just like let my hair down. Right? right. So that's what alcohol was to me. Right. I can just like act like a goof and get like rowdy and reckless and say what's on my mind, you know, all this kind of stuff. Dang. And I never found a way to like satiate that. So that three years that I've been sober, I felt like there was like this thing that was dormant inside me that I hadn't addressed. And the second time around, um, you know, I've gotten a lot into like meditation and breath work, you know, and uh, some more like those yin activities, right? Um, and much more deeper dive into like patterns and and mindset and stuff. And so I found that like getting into those more gentler practices is actually what drained that like need for reckless behavior out of me which at the time I thought, you know, I needed to go into like martial arts. I needed to like burn it off, right? With more right. yang, more achieving, more doing, right? right? And it was like quite the opposite and which was very curious to me. And, uh, but yeah, hundred percent, like as soon as I started doing like yin yoga, you know what I mean? And some of these other like yin exercises and techniques and such, just that feeling of like, ah, needing to burn it off and like be reckless, just literally just drained from me. So that was huge. That was a big, so great question. Yeah, um, you know, I've, yeah, it I is right? because it usually like, it's like you said, you hear like, I need to go and do, do and achieve and, and get the yeah. and goal. And it's like, that's what yeah. you usually hear. So to hear it like for you, yeah. how it was kind of different. Yeah. You were able to sit with yourself and yes. probably, you know, learn a little bit about yourself, accept yourself, accept that this is your new normal and that yeah. all that other stuff, the rage and the, the party and the craziness yeah. is not necessarily needed to be who you actually are. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. That's well cool. put hundred yeah. percent. Like yeah. And you know what? I, that's the thing. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm talking even the last couple of years, I'm, I'm just getting to the stage where I'm like, actually comfortable with me like yeah, with myself right like i right. you know I, I would have always said oh no like i like myself and such but the deeper and i'm sure you guys will you know, i'd love to hear what you have to say about it but like the deeper i go into like self-development and like learning about myself yeah there was some big gaps and there's some like illusions and there were some stories i was telling myself yourself, yeah. you know what i mean that was like yeah. I, yeah i don't know there was so like i was very conditional with myself i learned conditional love you know from my parents and I, i'm not that's not a that's the way they were raised. I have no ill will towards them for right. that. Right. But my dad was super conditional, right? He was like, 
he literally told me if I followed in his footsteps, he'd pay for like room and board. Like he's a fireman, right? Or was mm-hmm. a fireman. So he's like, if I did that, you know, he'd pay for like my room and board, all my schooling and all that. I'm like, well, I want to be a musician. He's like, well, you're on your own, right? Yeah. So <laughs> very luck. conditional, yeah. right? And that's all good. I mean, I, yeah. I understand that, but you know, I took that on with myself. So when I were talking about like, you know, these patterns of achievement and doing, that's how I was being with myself. I'm like, if I don't get this and this done by the end of the day, then I'm like, I'm a, the self-worth and yeah, I had this like collapsed distinction of like self-worth and what I achieve and do, right. which now I'm realizing they're very, very separate. Right. So yes. if that makes sense and that's like, here it's I am, I'm 40, sense. 41 years old. I'm like, I'm just, just learning this stuff now and, yeah. and actually believing it and like learning how to like embody it in my own life. You know, right. I mean? you're not telling yourself any stories anymore. Not BSing yourself, you know, it's exactly. Like, yep. And like Mike yep. said earlier, you know, being able to sit alone with, the guy on the other side now, who am I really like, and what, yes. what's real, what's, what's, what's fake. You know what I mean? Uh, all these 100%. things that you might've been telling yourself for years. And like I said, we've only been sober a year and a half and it's like, that's the process we're in right now too, is like, yeah. and I'm, I'm worse at it than she is. I'm, you know, I have this identity wrapped up in a 22 year addiction, like, you know, and that amount of time you begin to tell yourself some things and you start to believe that that's your truth. This yep. is really, really who I am now coming outside of that now, you know, for just a, you know, a year and a half is, a good amount of time, but it's not a long time. You know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. like to really like find who I am and what are those, the differences between the lies I was telling myself and the illusions or whatever you want to call it and the truth. Exactly. You know? Still yeah. a work in progress for yeah. us. Yep. Like big time. Yep. We're still just, I still feel like we're, we're still new in this, you know, Stretching and we're taking perfect. everybody along with us. Like this is our <laughs> journey and literally everybody's following along with us. So I think that that's kind of what keeps us on track is like, you know, we have to be doing all these things or, and I want to be doing all these things also, but in his, like he, this isn't something that he's used to doing. Even in my drinking, I was always trying to find ways to grow, but the alcohol obviously held me back because, you know, I'm drinking all the time and I just get down on myself. And obviously you can't live a great, wonderful life and have that addiction to alcohol. And so I've always had this like fire burning inside of me to want to grow and to want to do all these great things and grow and all this stuff. And that's never been a part of him. So it's kind of like we're working together to try to figure it out. And it's, yeah, it's something we are still working on. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'll bet. We were listening to some PD the other night and I, I forget who it was, but anyway, one of the questions kind of at the end was, like it, he was trying to get us to think about like the kind of life you want to create, you know, whether it be in five years or 10 years, or whatever. And he was like, what's a goal? What's something that you've always wanted? Like, you know, your entire life, something, one thing that you could remember, even in your addiction or whatever. And like, we got done with the podcast and I'm sitting there listening or thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know, like, what really is that? Like, what's yeah. a goal that I've had, something I've always wanted. And like, it finally hit me after all this time, like all I've ever wanted was to be sober for okay. yeah. to be sober, you know? And it's like, Yes, it's good to have that, that, to have that goal and to be sober now, but it's like, man, that's kind of tells you a little bit like that's literally all that you wanted. That was like where the bar was set. You know what I mean? That's like, right. this is yeah. what I need. And I hadn't had time in my addiction to process anything more than that. Like, you know what I mean? It was just, yeah. that was it. So now it's, we're in the state now, like now Still what, finding what, like, you know, work in progress. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And so now you are, tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got into that. And I would love to hear more about it. 
Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Thanks for sharing what you guys are going through. I, and like, I'll say like, I'm here, I'm, I'm four years in and like, it's yeah, there's just, you're going to find that there's more and more layers. You're just going to keep, right? Growing, just keep and, growing. Right. That's I think I imagine that it's going to be going for the rest of my life and I'm totally oh, yeah. cool with that. You know what I mean? So yeah, congratulations to you guys. And I love what you said though, Brad, as far as like, you know, um, yeah, just that baseline, the initial baseline of just getting sober. And now it's like, you almost have this, okay, well, what's next? Like, well, you have that in your, your mindset right. now, which is super cool. Um, yeah. So as far as what I got into, thanks for the opportunity to mention. Uh, so I had, I've been doing the same career uh, since I was 16. So I, I was working for like a Western Canadian grocery chain. It's about the size of like, a, like Safeway. I know you guys have that in the States mm -hmm. and, and some locations. Uh, so about that size, it's not like a massive, like Walmart, it's smaller, but still fairly big. Right. And I've been doing that since I was 16 until yeah, a couple of years ago. So 23 years uh, in total and started off as part-time kid in the, you know, in the bakery, closing down the shop while I was in high school, all the way to assistant store manager, kind of knocking at the door for store manager, you know, and I'll tell you, it's just somewhere along the line. And it had a lot to do, honestly, with me sobering up was, um, I was like, I'm not fulfilled anymore. There was, there was a part of me that like, as soon as I stopped numbing myself, I noticed I, I was very uh, keen to this like feeling that was inside me. I had this like dread in between shifts. I'd be out like walking the dogs and just me, part of me be going like the, just the idea of like, man, I really need more of this, like being out in nature and mm -hmm. just doing things on my own accord in my own schedule. And then immediately I'd start thinking of the realization that I got to work in two hours and I get like, I don't really get like panic attacks, but I guess as close as what I've gotten to it. Right. And I'm just kind of like, okay, what's going on here? Like what, what, what is this feeling? So I ended up, um, you know, and then of course I, we opened a store during like the pandemic. It was like the second or third wave, like October of 2020, which is like, I mean, there's so much to open a store, lots of moving parts as you can imagine. And then opening it during the pandemic was incredibly challenging. And, um, you know, coming out of it, my, just my, mindset was just I'm like I'm not enjoying this and the extra stress of doing it under the pandemic and all the other things that, with the masks and people fighting over toilet paper yeah, right. and the weird yeah. stuff. I was like you know what I, I'm, I need a break uh, so I ended up taking six months off and six months sabbatical and I'm like under the guise that I'm like okay I'm just gonna like do some stuff on my own you know that I've always wanted to do and I'm gonna have this reset I've been doing this 23 years right mm -hmm. I started when I was a teenager and then I can do the rest of my career I can do the next 15 years and I kept saying that to myself I'm like all I have to do is another 15 years here wicked dog um yeah, <laughs> that's awesome and um and every time I would say that to myself I just contract and I'd feel that dread again I'm like okay mm -hmm. something's here and coincidentally enough, or curiously enough, on the morning one of my sabbatical, I don't know, you, I don't know if you guys have like, I have like inner dialogue, but there's something beyond that. There was like a voice in my head that said, you're not going back. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. Okay, what is yeah. that? Yeah. So I just pursued this whole like idea. And that's where I basically, I got into the idea of like writing down on one side of the piece of paper, what I like about the job. So there definitely was the coaching mentoring aspect, mm -hmm. you know, 23 years, I have all this experience. So I very much enjoyed you know, helping people on the way up and getting into their positions. And okay, so what else do I have that's like, you know, um, life experience? And of course, that would be, you know, sobriety recovery. So the idea was just to, to combine the two. That wasn't what I came up with initially, uh, you know, as a life, I got some uh, certifications for life coach and such. Mm -hmm. And I was, of course, I wanted to help everybody. So I didn't want to limit myself. But then as soon as I went through a business networking group, they were like, well, nobody knows who you are. So just 
set up your shop, like, you know, I mean, find your little, your niche to start. Find and of course, niche, you can, yeah. right. Find your niche yep, yep. and you can expand from there. So I was like, okay. So that's where I, I, I came up with the whole, you know, uh, the recovery sobriety coaching. Um, yeah. And then there was a little bit of overlap, uh, with my previous job mm -hmm. for about four months. And then I realized I had very much, I was such a different person. Um, and it was time to pull the plug. Um, there, I wanted to go back. There was just some unfinished business. I felt like I didn't want to quite, it wasn't quite time for me to pull a plug in. It was on the, uh, actually my grad call for my level two certification, uh, for enlifted, which is the, the, the life coach certification I got. Uh, the presenter, like my co my head coach is so good, such a great presenter that he, um, you know, after we, we said his piece and we, everybody's getting emotional that, and he hung up and I just stared at my computer screen and I'm like, that's it. I'm quitting tomorrow. And, you know, so I had my, my, I type out my letter of resignation. Mm -hmm. I had it in my back pocket. And then I kind of thought about things. I'm like, you know, what? I should probably like financially make sure that I'm a little more secure. So <laughs> right. we like, re right. We refinanced the house and all that. Uh, so I could, I had a little bit of money flexibility that way and just get like really reducing the monthly bills. And then I quit and, uh, yeah, I've been doing the, uh, the sober coaching for just about a year. Like I've been doing coaching, uh, life coaching, if you will, for about 14, 15 months at this point. Mm -hmm. And I straight up went for, okay, I'm going to do sober coaching pretty much a year. Like I, I decided on my sober birthday last year. So I, that's when I started my recovery podcast and the whole, just coming out with my story and so forth. Right. So it's been literally like 12 months and three days that I've been really, uh, working on, on this whole side of things. That's awesome. So what is it exactly that you offer as far as like sober coaching? Like if I were to yeah. sign up with you, you know what I mean? Like how does yeah. that work and what do you offer and that sort of thing? Totally. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, uh, funny you mentioned. Uh, so I do have a uh, four month program coming up that starts on May 1st. So I'm going to be hosting a webinar this Saturday. So I guess as we're recording here, it'll be Saturday the 15th at uh, 1 p.m. Mountain. So yeah, there's, I, I had been running uh group coaching, but it's like a hybrid program. So I just finished, we did, um, it was a beautiful thing. We started as a sober October group and the majority of the folks in the group continued on until the end of dry, dry February. So we did five months uh, through the holiday season, right. Which can be very challenging for a lot of people. Definitely and awesome. uh, yeah, it was amazing. So basically what it is, it's uh, there's weekly group coaching calls, um, the small groups, like it's anywhere from like five to eight people. Right. Um, and then there's the one-on-one -on -one story work is the type of coaching, the one-on-one -on -one calls that I do. So there's two of those a month for you. Uh, there is also, we have a private Facebook community where we do our daily check-ins just to, so we can all stay active with each other, depending yeah, on work schedules. Sure. Yeah. The community part is just amazing. That's Huge, what really yeah. blew me away. Right. And, um, you know, and then, uh, there's uh, like a morning routine thing that we do. It's called 30 thrive 30. So you pick three activities. So there's a body, mind, spirit, find like 10 minutes of an activity for each, hence the 30 minutes. Um, you know, and just like these, so that's like, you know, the 10 minutes is a very achievable for anybody to do anything really. And just getting that, like, I found that was like a, a missing element for a lot of people is like, uh, starting and maintaining these new habits and sobriety, right? So this yeah. um, and morning routines, like morning for me was like my least favorite time of day. And now by far, it's my favorite time of day, right? Like, so getting it up and, and just picking the, so like for me, for example, I did 10 minutes of jogging, 10 minutes of reading out loud, and then 10 minutes of meditation. So that's my body, mind, spirit really did, did help ground me for the day and, and, you know, kind of echoes through the rest of the day. So there's that element of it as well. 
and oh yeah sunday events so the sunday events are sunday mornings and we'll do like a breath work or like a yin yoga some kind of like movement or something that's a little bit different and uh, i always found it was good to have on sunday mornings just to sort of redefine the weekend where so many mm -hmm. people are used to doing the partying again sunday morning was a dreaded time of mine so to really redefine that with some like something else positive. that's special yeah. right? exactly positive guided meditation yeah. whatever it may be so that's sort of like the uh, the broad view of it that's um awesome. so yeah yeah thanks it's so kind of like teaching people how to live life sober you know yes and people yeah. it's it's scary because it's like i don't know how to be sober because mm -hmm. every day i wake up and i'm like what part am i what party am i going to or what bar are we right going to? or you know what am i drinking you know yeah and it's kind of hard to figure out life after no longer drinking or no longer it using is. drugs so that's cool i think that's yeah. very cool very cool yeah, thanks so Giving much. Giving people yes. something to like actually fill their time with that's like positive, you know what I mean? Yes. And like forming new habits, you know, when they yeah. probably didn't do that in their past. I know I didn't. Yeah, and yeah, so. right. For me, it was always like on the periphery. I'm like, when when I was drinking, I was like, yeah, like I, I miss the gym. But, you know, then I try and roll up to the gym after a couple of beers. It's like, this is right. I remember I had like one of these, I had like a crushed a strongbow cider before I went in there. And it's like, I got on the treadmill. I'm like, what am I doing? This is like, <laughs> like, like the most real? opposite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is not going to work. Yeah. So then as soon as, you know, as soon as I got out of uh, drinking, yeah, I immediately started going to the gym and just having that like brain chemistry like the same yeah. the same thing that i chased with that first sip of beer right yeah. i was getting like all the endorphins um, and all, all that the endorphins and, and everything yeah. going on right so yeah that was a big part of it so yeah just getting into that and just the whole broad perspective right so there's elements i'm always gonna have one foot in an aa so there's there's elements of that right and i think it's just like a um yeah like a, a full-bodied uh coaching program as far as like you say the the group the three things that i found that, that are the most recurring of like everybody that i've talked to as far as the needs especially in early sobriety is that that social aspect is like can be very awkward right right because they're used to like going out to the pubs and bars mm -hmm. and uh, i was always used to like if i was talking to like girls that i liked i'd have to have a few beer you know to be uh, right. so the initial like dating can be uh challenging for so people it's just social in general say socializing so hence the group aspect of it uh second is definitely the emotions which we've talked about here on the podcast dealing with these emotions that i am so used to numbing out or pushing mm -hmm. away or distracting away okay let's actually like work on those so and that's the one-on-one -on -one coaching as well as some of the meditation and such and then the third one is like yeah like you guys were talking about too filling your like finding some new habits that work for you getting a morning routine because you never had a morning routine before things of that nature so that's where that 30 thrive 30 and um you know the habit tracker and such come in so the top three you know challenges that i found from talking to hundreds of people about it uh we address with the three steps in the if the in the group if that makes sense yeah that's very cool and do you offer like memberships or can anybody sign up or how does yeah absolutely thanks that's a really great question so yeah. uh i always like to do a, a just a bit of a screening process just to make sure that there's like it's we're gonna jive right like i, I want to yeah. protect the group that i do have because i do have two or three people yeah three right now that are like Regular. in it for sure you know yeah. what i mean so i want to make sure like i know you know what i mean like i know them very well they know me very well now and we have a nice group right so i i there i feel an obligation to you know protect and make sure that it's uh keep it a know, safe that, place exactly right very important so yeah. I, I, in that sense i don't take anyone but I, anyone can apply and just in that way we can kind of figure out where you are in your sobriety you know 
um, you know, what the steps you've taken, you know, beforehand to get to where you are. Um, yeah, and just sort of address that. So definitely there is a, a degree of a, a call that we would do before uh, signing up, but yeah, anybody can apply for sure. Okay. Real quick. Do you want to tell people for who, uh, those who are listening, like where would they go to find out more about this? Absolutely. Yeah. Just find, uh, follow me on Instagram. So I'm at, at recoveryroadmap.me. And I'm going to be posting about that all week this week. And there's going to be a lot of opportunities to interact with me and I'll be able to give you the uh, Zoom link. Awesome. Appreciate that. Okay. So one final thing here. Uh, I like to ask everybody that we have on our podcast. Uh, if you had to give one piece of advice mm. to those listening out there going through addiction or new to recovery, yeah. what would that be? Yeah, I love that. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to circle back to the community thing. You know, I, I remember uh, watching a Ted talk and I, I don't remember if it was title, but the the theme of it was the opposite of addiction is connection. And that really exactly resonated. which one you're talking about. Yeah. Sorry. You know, you've seen that one. Yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah. 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 So it's for me, that's a hundred percent true. Like I did a lot of my drinking in, in secrecy and hiding. And I honestly thought I was like, alone with my problem. And I was like, it was unique to me. And I was some kind of, you know, weirdo or whatever. Right. And, uh, that really kept me, uh, it's suffering in silence longer than I needed to. Right. Yeah. So as soon as I got out into that AA meeting, that first one and realizing, you know, uh, my story is not unique and that's actually comforting to me. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that would be it. Just get into a, some kind of a connection. There's so many different ways to do it. You can do it anonymously to test the waters, right? You can go on Instagram and you don't even have to have your name on there. Instagram is an amazing sober community, you know, and, uh, Reddit even like you, you or if you want to like, you know, if you do want to have your, your story out there, I mean, there's, there's ways to do that too. Tons of online stuff. There's tons, it's easy to find a, a self-help group, um, you know, uh, anywhere you live, AA is super easy to navigate. Yeah. That would be mine. Just get, get connected and get that feeling of uh, community. And that's really going to help, uh, factor into your decision-making. Yeah. And that's perfect, man. Well said. I I'm a total big, I'm a totally a big fan of the connection and the community piece. Cause like you said several times tonight, it's, it is difficult when you're in, you're, you're in this and you're thinking like, I'm unique. I'm the only one suffering from this. I'm the only one that feels this way. And uh, you know what I mean? But once you kind of, uh, let it out a little bit, you find that there people are like you said at the very beginning. They're the, you, they handle the opposite of what you thought might happen. You know what I mean? Totally. And they're more yeah. accepting, and they're you know anyway. So it's encouraging. So I agree. Absolutely. Yeah, so. man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's yeah. It sounds like you've had the, the similar experience, and yeah, I would say that was that would definitely be the, the main yeah. thing. Just that connection piece for sure. Definitely. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Before I let you go, is there anything else that you want to talk about, mention, or whatever? No, I think that's it. I th I, again, thank you so much uh, to both yeah. of you for having me on. Uh, it's, it's been a great conversation. Uh, yeah, just recoveryroadmap.me on Instagram and Matt Gardner Live is my YouTube channel and uh, Facebook page as well. And other than that, just thanks so much for your time today, guys. All right, you bet. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, we appreciate Matt. it, awesome. man. All thank right, you. All right, same to you. Right. Bye All now. Right, we'll see you. Bye. You bet. All right, that is all we have for you today. We sincerely hope that you were able to gain something from this episode. I know I sure did. And that you walk away feeling a little bit better than you did before. With that being said, we would appreciate all of your questions, your feedback, or even any ideas that you have for topics or personal struggles that you may be having or have experienced with yourself or even a friend or family member. 
To do that, you can email us at addictedtolivingpodcast at gmail.com. You can find more about us on our personal Facebook pages and join our Addicted to Living Facebook group from there. You can find us on Instagram at Addicted to Living Podcast. If you liked our podcast today, do us a huge favor and like and subscribe so that you know when new episodes drop. We wouldn't want you to miss out. With that, live life in the moment and make today great.